Chapter Two of Rescue Dog of the High Pass. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Rescue Dog of the High Pass by Jim Kilgard. Shame. Franz left by the north door. He began to run at once, with Caesar keeping effortless pace beside him. With its base only a few rods from the schoolhouse, the mountain on the north side rose so steeply that the youngsters of Dornblatt used it as a practice site for their first lessons in mountain climbing. There were numerous sheer bluffs, and such soil as existed was thickly sprinkled with boulders that varied the size of a man's head to the size of a Dornblatt house shame was the spur that made franz run for as he sped between the school and the great log and earth barrier that the men of dornblatt hoped would keep a major avalanche from crushing the school it seemed to him that every pupil and professor Lutman must be looking at him and jeering he imagined the superior smile on hertha bittner's pretty lips the scornful curve of willie resnick's mouth the sardonic contempt that would be reflected in Herman Gottschalk's cold eyes, and in his mind he heard Professor Luttman say, There goes Franz Hale, the failure. There goes one too stupid to understand the true value of learning. Look upon him so that you may never be like him. Franz's cheeks flamed and his ears were on fire. He might have chosen not to attend the school and everyone would have understood but of his own free will he had become a student and by professor luttman's order he was ignominiously expelled nobody in dornblatt could ever live such a thing down then franz and caesar were across the clearing and back in the hardwood forest franz slowed to a walk for the great trees that grew all about had always been his friends and they did not forsake him now they formed a shield that no scornful eyes could penetrate, and as long as he was in the forest he would know peace. His own practiced eye found a big sycamore that was half-rotted through, and he marked it for future firewood. The sycamore was sure to fall anyway, and in falling it would certainly crush some of the trees around it. But it could be felled in such a fashion that it would hurt nothing, and a healthy young tree would grow in its place. Franz stole a moment to wonder at himself. Other Dornblatt boys and girls, some of whom were much younger than he, had no trouble learning Professor Luttman's assigned lessons. Why should that which was written in books be so hopelessly beyond his grasp? while that which was written in the forest and mountains was always so easy to read he spied a squirrel's nest a cluster of leaves high in a birch tree and beneath the same tree he found a crushed and rounded set that meant a hare had crouched there a jay tilted saucily on a limb and peered at franz and caesar without scolding jays never shrieked at him franz thought as they did at almost everyone else and he was sure that was because they knew he was their friend. The two friends wandered on, and when they reached a little open space among the trees, Franz halted to tilt his head and turn his eyes heavenward. 
high above him towered a rock-ribbed peak so tall that even in summer its upper reaches were snowbound franz stood a moment contented just to look and grow happier in the looking unknown to his father or to anyone else in dornblatt he had climbed that peak little sister it was called to distinguish it from an adjoining peak known as big sister carrying only his ropes and alpenstock he was accompanied by the mastiff until blocked by a wall that the dog could not climb and up which franz could not rope him he had ordered caesar to wait and gone on alone from the topmost eminence of little sister he had viewed a breathtaking array of other peaks but there was infinitely more than just a view franz had never told even father paul dornblatt's kindly little parish priest how as he stood on the summit of little sister he had felt very close to heaven he simple franz hale who could not even get ahead in school he had never told anyone and he had no intention of telling and now as he looked up at little sister remembering that wonderful feeling franz became almost wholly at peace the school seemed very far away part of a different world this and this alone was real it seemed to franz that he always heard music with never a jarring or discordant note whenever he was in the forest or climbing the mountain presently he reached another down-sloping gully and halted on its near rim to look across on the far rim was a farm that differed from the houses in dornblatt because quarters for the people a neat chalet were separate from the building that housed the stock it was the home of the widow geyser and had been the best farm anywhere around dornblatt and then three years ago jean geyser had gone into the mountains to hunt chamois he had never returned and ever since the widow geyser had been hard put to make ends meet her two sons aged four and six were little help and no woman should even try doing all the work that a place such as this demanded the widow geyser still tried but it was rumored that she was heavily in debt to emil gottschalk caesar pricked his ears up and looked at the goat shed following the dog's gaze franz saw a brown and white goat one of the widow's small flock come from the rear door squeeze beneath the enclosing pole fence and make its way into a hay meadow it stalked more like a wild animal than a domestic creature and its obvious destination was the forest should it get there it would be almost impossible to capture the animal again franz turned to his dog take her back caesar silent as a drifting cloud for all his size caesar left franz and set a course that would intercept the fleeing goat he came in front of the escaping animal the goat halted and stamped a threatening hoof franz almost saw caesar grin the mighty dog could break this silly animal's spine with one chop of its jaws if it wished to do so but he was no killer he advanced on the goat that tried and failed to break around him and then he began edging it back toward the paddock when the goat squeezed under the dog leaped over and continued to herd the escapee toward the pen laughing 
Franz ran forward and arrived at the goat pen just in time to meet the widow Geyser, who came from her chalet. Despite the man's work she had been doing, the widow Geyser was still attractive enough to furnish a lively subject for discussion among Dornblatt's unattached bachelors. If the fact that she was also proprietress of a good farm detracted nothing from her charms, that was natural enough. And now she asked, "'What's the matter, Franz?' "'Caesar and I were walking in the forest when we saw one of your goats trying to escape. I ordered Caesar to drive it back.' "'Thank you, Franz. Hereafter I must keep that one tethered. She has tried to run away so many times. Won't you come in for some bread and milk?' I thank you, but the hour grows late, and I must turn homeward. The sun is lowering, the widow Geyser agreed. Thank you again, Franz, and come again. I shall look forward to it. With Caesar padding beside him, Franz started down the gully toward Dornblatt, and as he did so his uneasiness mounted. He had delayed meeting his father for as long as possible, and now he admitted to himself that he feared to face him but the meeting could no longer be postponed. Franz made his way through Dornblatt to his father's house. Caesar, who preferred to remain outside regardless of the weather, curled up in front of the cattle shed. Franz tried to be resolute as he climbed the stairs to the living quarters, but once at the door he halted uncertainly. Then, taking his courage in both hands, he entered the single room that served the Hales as living, dining bedroom. The ceiling and wall boards were scrubbed until they shone. The floor was of red tile. There was a big fireplace with a wooden chimney and a great gleaming white porcelain stove bound by brass rings. Spotless pots and pans hung from wooden pegs. A table and seven straight-backed wooden chairs occupied the center of the room. At the far end, where lowered curtains might separate them, were the beds where slept Franz's father and mother, his four young sisters, and himself. Franz's mother sat silently in the chimney corner, and the fact that she was not doing something with her hands was all that was necessary to prove that much was amiss. His four overawed sisters hovered at the far end, near the beds. Franz Hale, the elder, met his son. Six foot two, storm and wind and the mountains that hemmed him in, had written their own tales on his wrinkled face. By the same token, the very vigor of the life he'd led had left him straight as a sapling and endowed him with iron muscles. His clear blue eyes, gentle for the most part, now glinted like the sun slanting from glacier ice. He said, "'Professor Lutman came to see me.' "'Yes, sir,' Franz answered meekly. His father demanded, "'Have you nothing else to say?' "'I'm sorry,' Franz answered in a low voice. "'Once I hoped you'd be a farmer,' the elder Hale said. "'So I set you to ploughing.' I found the plough abandoned and the oxen standing in their yokes while you chased butterflies, and then I thought you'd be a herdsman, but I found the cattle lowing to be milked while you roamed the forest with your dog. I apprenticed you to a cobbler, and you attached the heels where the sole should have been. I asked a lace-maker to teach you his trade, and in one day you ruined enough material to do away with a week's profit. 
I decided you must surely be a scholar, and now this. Franz said humbly, I think I am not meant to be a scholar. Is there anything you are meant to be? The one task you do and do well is chop wood with your axe. Franz brightened a little. I like to chop wood. May a chopper of wood be a future family man of Dornblatt, where everyone chops his own? His father demanded. Think, Franz. Yes, sir, Franz said. There was a knock at the door, and the elder Hale opened it to admit Father Paul. For all his lack of stature, the little priest somehow took instant command. I have come to help, he said, for I too have heard. It is past your help, the elder Hale told him sadly. My only son seems to be destined to become a nobody. Father Paul smiled. Despair not, my friend. You'll feel better in the morning. I think the boy has not yet been guided into the way he should go, and I have a suggestion. At the very summit of St. Bernard Pass, there is a hospice. It was erected by the Reverend Bernard D. Mentham many centuries past, and its sole purpose is to succor distressed travellers who must cross the Alps. I think I may very well find a place there for Franz. As a novice of the Augustinian order? the elder Hale asked doubtfully. Not quite. Father Paul smiled again at Franz this time. Novices must clutter their minds with Latin and any number of similar subjects. He may be a lay-worker or marionier. Would you like that, Franz? Oh, yes! Franz's soaring imagination sped him out of Dornblatt to the fabled hospice of St. Bernard. Will he go now? the elder Hale asked. Hardly, Father Paul replied, for it takes time to arrange such matters. He may very well go next summer. Meanwhile, I know you will find some useful occupation for him. Franz's father said, He can cut wood. End of chapter 2